Recent days and weeks have proved challenging for cattle markets as new data on corn stocks and a pending holiday weekend lead to sluggish results. How can cattlemen keep the bigger picture in mind as the end of the year approaches? That's today on Field Posts. is a DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. It's just weeks away from the end of another year for cattle markets, and the most recent news for and from those markets has been discouraging. But for DTN Livestock Analyst Shaylee Stewart, the next steps for savvy cattlemen are clear. Don't panic and keep the fundamentals in mind. Today, we'll talk through the latest data with Shaylee, checking in on feed markets, drought impacts, and slaughter pace to understand whether recent sputtering activity is the beginning of a trend or just a hiccup. We'll get into demand indicators as inflation rises, discuss the regionality of today's markets, and learn more about the data that's making Shaylee see great things coming for cattle in 2023 and beyond. We'll hear insights on recent grading numbers, heat, and end-of-year emotions, right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential more than ever to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at mydtn.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. DTN Livestock Analyst Shaylee Stewart joins us today to talk through some of the latest news in cattle markets, as well as some longer-term trends. Shaylee, I want to just give you the reins here at the top. We've talked the last couple of years about this late summer time period being dog days of summer. Talk to us about where the markets are right now and where your head is at when you... Ooh, that's such a good way to lead into our conversation today. And I'm just going to take the reins over and I'm going to run. Because as you mentioned, so often in years past, we would get on this podcast and we'd start talking about the dog days of summer. Typically during this time frame, we'd look at the cash cattle market and most likely see lethargic, just not very interested packer interest in the marketplace, waning prices, thin movement throughout the cash cattle market. And really it'd be too early for feeder cattle to be making their way into the market as well. But this year we have noticed that seasonalities really don't mean a thing as the market is still looking for what new precedented seasonalities are going to be for the markets and the years ahead and for the cattle market as it really changes into a new cycle. So let me just recap kind of what's happened over the last month, because I think it's really important for cattlemen not to lose sight of what's happened here as of late. So over the last three weeks, the fat cattle market has been able to add seven to nine dollars to its marketplace, depending upon region. And over the past three weeks, they've been able to trade a hundred thousand head 
every single week, if not more than a hundred thousand head. And so that's extremely significant because as you mentioned, typically we jump on this series and we talk about the dog days of summer, but I'm sorry, talking about prices that have gained seven to $9 over the course of three weeks and in a movement of a hundred thousand head or more every single week over a three week span is not what you call the dog days of summer. And so that's been very exciting for the marketplaces. That's obviously helped feedlots possess more of the market's leverage and really just clean up their supplies. Now, unfortunately, last week, we saw some pushback in the marketplace. Packers saw that the Labor Day three-day weekend was coming and they used that to their advantage because, heck, you can't blame them. It's the way the market works. Everybody wants to get cattle bought for as cheap as they can so they can make the highest backside return. So that's just the game they're playing and that's what they're having to do. But as they looked at the weeks coming ahead of them, they said, you know what, we're going to pump the brakes on this cash cattle market because we don't want to be caught in this runaway train for months on end. So if we have an opportunity to push prices lower, by goodness golly, we're going to do it. so that's what they did last week. They pushed the market. Realistically, Southern cattle traded steady and Northern cattle traded anywhere from a dollar to two lower. And as we sit here in the middle of this week, really, we've not seen much interest in the cash cattle market, but we finally started to see a little bit of trade noted in the North, and it's been for a substantial $5 discount to last week's regression. So I know a lot of folks are really looking at the data in which we've shared last week and this week, and they're starting to kind of kick the dirt and shrug their shoulders and be a little meek and timid and long in the lip. But honestly, I don't want folks to get caught up in the moment. And I know that it's so easy to do because whenever you have a marketplace that's just lethargic or trades down for a couple of days, it's hard not to become depressed and just having a downward mindset. But honestly, I think that it's more important to realize what the market did over the past three weeks and then to also really focus into the market's long-term fundamentals, which are still extremely bullish. I want to come back to talking about a little bit of that long-term versus short-term view, but I want to check in on some kind of fundamental stuff first. Obviously, the story of the summer has been drought and heat. Talk to us a little bit about just how that is impacting maybe the sentiment, but also the reality on the ground for producers right now wonderful point to bring up. And I'm so glad that you highlighted it because the balancing act right now, Sarah, we still have regions in the United States that are obviously plagued by drought. And those producers are having to make marketing decisions because of drought in which they wouldn't normally make during this time frame. Just a couple of weeks ago, we started to see sale barn receipts and volumes of, of feeder cattle being traded starting to etch higher. And largely that was because we saw the drought liquidation pressure affecting those regions. But I also think that it's incredibly important to know because it was just such a really widespread topic that so many news outlets hit on. A month ago, we were talking about uh, the cow herd liquidation in Texas. And you saw on social media outlets how producers were lining their trailers up and they realistically were in lines as far as the eye could see. Thankfully, Texas has finally gotten some rain and really came down in historic amounts. And so luckily for those producers who are able to think about backgrounding opportunities, they might be able to get some late fall grazing and growth on those paths and most likely won't contribute to any hay production because it's simply too late in the year, but they might be able to let that feed grow up if it's given the right seasonal environment to create some late season grazing. But nevertheless, drought is still very much so an issue. And honestly, we've seen cattle and feeders specifically in calves work their way to the market a little bit earlier than what we'd suspect on a normal year, just simply because drought is still a very relevant, very widespread issue throughout the industry. 
And I'm curious, related to that, you talked about it a little bit already, but I wonder if you can shine some extra light on just how regional the market is right now. Are ranchers in different parts of the country experiencing radically different price pressures or demand pressures from what you're seeing? Oh, absolutely. This past year has been extremely interesting just simply because we've seen such a price disparity between the North and the South. And largely that's how the United States kind of runs. We think about the North and we think about feeder cattle. We think about replacement quality genetics. And then we think about the South and we think about large volumes. They get a few more cattle imported from Mexico and they have large volumes of feeder cattle in Texas and whatnot. And so it's been very interesting to watch the regions and to watch the individual markets even if you take it and break it down by a state by state level. And if you look at the regions which have feed resources, which have moisture, which have feed readily available to them versus the regions, whether it be as widespread as the United States or as specific as one individual state and compare the regions of drought to those who have moisture, the price ranges very wide. And I think one of the most interesting things is maybe not even comparing north to south, but more so comparing steers to heifers. In these early feeder cattle sales, that we've seen the video sales highlight this year, whether it be Northern Livestock Video Auction, Superior Livestock, or Western Video Market, we've seen such a widespread on heifer prices. And honestly, Sarah, that's just something that I think that producers really need to think about because I know that's obviously a, a bargaining tool and a way that feeders, feeders and feedlots are able to get cattle bought at a cheaper price. But as sellers in this marketplace, I would pose the question, is that something that you actually want to accept as a seller? Because here, as we turn around in the market and add another three to four months onto our time now, those feeder cattle that are females, they're going to be sought after as potentially replacement quality genetics. And they're going to be sought with extreme demand just simply because we sit with the second smallest beef cow herd that we've had in the last 50 years and the second smallest beef replacement herd that we've had in the last 50 years as well. So I'd really question folks to think about what they were going to do with their heifers, regardless if they are four weight or six weights. That was a great transition to, I want to really tackle the issue of the herd size head on. I'm curious as you are watching where the market is today, thinking about the decisions that maybe ranchers are having to make in this moment and over the next couple of months, how does the herd size factor into that? And where do you think the future might be in terms of what that means for the markets? Oh, this is probably the funnest question to answer right now, because Sarah, there's so much opportunity in this marketplace. You and I both having grown up on ranches really soberly understand the hardship and the reality of ranching in today's marketplace and the heightened pressures of the competition for land, for labor, for the simple fact that feed resources are higher. And it just seems like that coupled with higher interest rates and unbridled inflation, that the market is something that's daunting and is hard to navigate figure. But when you look at the cattle market, just put your hands out in front of you and think of a straight line. The sole resource, the biggest driving component to the cattle market is its factory. And its factory is the beef cow herd. And so when you soberly understand and realize and comprehend and digest the data that we have the second smallest beef cow herd that we've had in the last 50 years, there should be light bulbs popping up all around you saying opportunity here, opportunity there. How am I going to capitalize on this market? Because not only do we have the second smallest beef cow herd on record over the last 50 years, but we also have the second smallest beef replacement female data. So that's telling us that this isn't going to be a problem that's easily passed by because the replacements simply aren't there. 
However, what I am also extremely excited to note alongside this data is that these numbers are matched with phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, almost unprecedented beef demand, both here domestically and internationally. So that tells cow-calf producers, that tells feedlots that, hey, you know what, we need to get these feedlots restocked. We need to get cattle in the bunk. We need to get them gaining because you know what, we have consumers here in the United States that are eager and that are excited to continue to buy beef, even if it might be at prices higher in which we can't necessarily say makes sense given the inflation and given how widespread it is for Americans to try to thin their dollar, to try to get it to go to more places given the inflation that we see. But nevertheless, I really believe that in the next two to three years, cow-calf producers are going to be given the opportunity in the cattle market to absorb more of the market's dollar simply because of supply and demand economics. As we have fewer beef cows in the marketplace, supplying less beef to the market in a hungry consumer base, they're going to see prices trickle down into their marketplace in which they haven't seen in years. I want to follow up on that demand question as well. You mentioned domestic and foreign demand. And this inflation question, I think, usually here at the end of the summer, are talking about a big barbecue season and what might be ahead in terms of falling off demand. But I wonder if you could talk a little bit about where the demand picture is now. And it sounds like there's not a lot of concerns related to inflation. I, I don't know. How are you understanding the demand picture looking ahead to the next six months or so? I'm very excited. And so one way that we track the demand of the market is obviously just through box beef prices and exports. But then we also use our WASD tool. And that just gives us a clear description of what we could expect in the months to come. And given the most recent WASD data, we have every reason to believe that demand is going to continue to be strong into the third and fourth quarters of 2022, as well as into 2023 in its marketplace. And so I'm excited because, you know, we always see a little bit of a rally in the cattle market as we get towards end of November, first part of December and into the new year. But given that we have significantly fewer cows contributing fewer calves to the marketplace than in years past, that rally should really just build steam and momentum and progress into 2023. And so long as we're able to see that demand continue into the new year, realistically, the opportunity is uncapped. I want to switch gears just slightly and talk about maybe a little bit more about maybe the least exciting news in the market right now, which you mentioned at the top that the feed price situation. As you are thinking about what especially feeders, feedlots are thinking about going into the winter months, what does the feed price situation mean for the decisions that are being made right now? And how are you thinking about every day we get a change in the corn prices or corn supply? expectations, but we actually haven't started harvesting in most places yet. We actually don't know. How are you thinking about corn supply, feed supply going into? I love the way that you worded that because I think it's so true to the marketplace today. I'm so thankful that we have the data and that we have the resources that we do so that we can stay abreast on the marketplace and any and all changes, but it's also a dangerous two-sided sword because thankfully we have that data so we can make calculated decisions. But like you said, we are making decisions on a corn crop that's not even been harvested yet. And so we get little nuggets of information 
information, the market might skyrocket higher on the corn side, which obviously sends both live cattle and feeder cattle trembling lower. And right now, we just need to soberly understand that until the corn crop is harvested, until we know exactly what we have to work with, that there's going to be volatility in both the live cattle and feeder cattle markets. Now, after that corn crop is harvested, the market will be able to just take a breath of relief saying, okay, this is what we have to work with. This is how we will move forward. But it is a big contributing factor to how feeders are going to look at buying calves and feeders in the market and say, hey, how am I going to make this work? Because the feeder cattle market has been very aggressive this summer. And honestly, prices have gotten to the point where a lot of folks are already saying, how am I going to make this work? I'm going to need to see higher prices on the backside for these live cattle in order to make current feeder cattle prices work with cost of gains where they're at today. And so I'm excited for the Labor Day weekend, honestly, to pass us by because even though I love Labor Day, I love celebrating the holiday and I love the three-day weekend, I'm excited for the market to get caught up to a normal schedule so that we can begin to just really hone in on just the regularities of the marketplace and get back to focusing on the ins and outs of the market. Because at that point, I believe that our slaughter will again pick uh, speed back up and forget about the holiday and then really start to focus on what lays ahead of us. And as feeder cattle buyers are sitting in sales right now, they're really looking at the 2023 market and calculating their cost of gains and saying, where is my, where's my honey spot? Where's my happy hole? And so if we can see the board add some price points to the 20 February, 2023 contract, April, 2023 contract, which, you know, are sitting at a dollar 53, a dollar 57 right now, then there's obviously opportunity to be had, but it's something that buyers are going to have to be so really cognizant about because it does affect their margins as well. This feels like the perfect time to dig a little bit more into, you talked at the beginning of this conversation about just having that focus on kind of the long-term versus the short-term. And I think here, especially at the end of summer, there's just the frenzy of the season that is often very exciting, but also very nerve wracking and emotional. And I think it's really hard to buckle up and not turn a blind eye to the market, but say, I understand the fundamentals. I understand the long-term view here. I'm, I know where I'm at and we're going to, we're going to, it might be a little bumpy in the short term, but we're going to get there. Talk a little bit, if you can, about just maybe how you think about this and any advice on how to get, get some confidence to get past maybe the last few weeks and the next few weeks. Oh, very good point. And I'm glad that you brought up just the timing of this of the season. And you're so right to say that it's emotional time because honestly, it's like the cattle market's year end. It's like the cattle market's December 31st happens October 15th because that is the magical shipping date for feeders. And so you're very right to say that. And so a lot of cow-calf producers are sending their calves to town and they are flushing away their entire year's hard work and they're taking in that paycheck and seeing how it shores up with the expenses that they incurred and seeing what they're left with. And so it is a daunting cycle and it's a daunting place in the market because you're either going to choose to sell your cows at that point, or you're going to saddle up and you're going to take another run at the year ahead of you. And so I think that the biggest things to really think about is that if you want to make changes and you see that there were points throughout this past year where you maybe didn't capitalize on the market like you could have, or you didn't invest the way you should have, or you should have made different decisions along the way, now is the time to really 
really write those things down and to be very honest with yourself, with your family members, because in the heat of things, when you're thinking about, you know, accepting a contract bid or deciding what day you're going to contract your calves, that is not the time to decide to take a new approach to the market because we are people, we are emotional. The markets are stressful things. And so we need to prepare ourselves with the strategy and approach ahead of time so that we know how to handle that situation when it comes. And so I think some of the biggest things are to really just recap the year past and understand that, you know what, we never did the same exact year in and year out. But if there were places in the past year where you maybe left dollars on the table, how do you need to change that moving forward? And so I think that this time, this period in the year is just such an important time to look at the market's fundamentals, try to forecast what may lay ahead in the year to come to the best of your abilities and lay out a couple of different options in which your operation can utilize so that you can be successful, so that you can garnish the prices in which your operation needs to be profitable. I think I just have one last question, which is we've seen a bunch of data come out in the last few weeks. We have a WASI coming up in September, but I'm curious what other maybe pieces of information or data or things you will be on the lookout for in the next few weeks that will inform your understanding of what's going on in the market right now. Oh, I really want to hone into two things here. On Monday of this past week, the USDA released its most recent grading data, and it shared that the nation's choice in prime grading carcasses fell below the market's five-year average, which also carved out a new low for the 2022 calendar year with only 79.64% of cattle grading choice or better. And so you might ask me, Shaylee, okay, I that's cool, but what does it mean for the marketplace? And it's important that cattlemen understand that this is inherently important information and data to absorb, and especially for feedlots looking to market cattle in the upcoming weeks and months. But this grading information is important because it highlights the fact that front-end supplies of market-ready cattle are shrinking. And so basically, grading data tells us what the carcasses are doing in regards to marbling. And marbling is a key indication of how many days cattle have been on feed. And so if our marbling percentage starts to decrease, that tells us that cattle are spending less and less time on feed. And why would cattle be spending less and less time on feed right now? It would be because packers are pulling them ahead sooner than what feedlots anticipated they would be because they need to fill shackle space. And so that is extremely exciting news for feedlots to hear about, for feedlots to know about, because that tells them that, hey, here in the next couple of weeks, once we get past the Labor Day weekend that packers are going to continue to run aggressive slaughter speeds if they continue to see the demand in the marketplace, which has currently been. And so that tells us that we're going to be as feedlots in the driver's seat of the market because guess what? They need supplies and we hold them. And thankfully, I believe that the cash cattle market is going to be given a real opportunity here and not too long of time to be able to regain some leverage in the market. And then honestly, just the next point that I want to highlight is just how aggressive the 2022 slaughter speeds have been for the year. Just last week, the market's estimated weekly slaughter totaled 678,000 head. And so if that data comes true here in the next two weeks, when we get the actual slaughter data, that will be the most aggressive slaughter week that 2022 has seen yet. And as you mentioned, Sarah, that happened in the dog day 
days of summer. And the most recent WASDE data told us that we can expect processing to ramp higher as we get into the third and especially into the fourth quarter of the end of the year. And so I'm very excited because couple the fact that grading percentages are falling and that we're moving cattle through processing speeds, through aggressive throughput faster than what is expected. That's very exciting news because feedlots are going to be able to demand higher prices through the cash cattle market. So just to give you a figure, year to date, we sit at an estimated 1.2% more cattle processed in 2022 than what had been processed at this time in 2021. Nevertheless, I know that it's been a kind of doggish and lackadaisical and rough last couple of weeks just simply because that corn market has really just grabbed the focus and attention of the cattle uh, complex. But as we move into the later part of 2022, I'm very excited. And I think that we need to just balance all the information we get. We can't become solely corn focused, even though it's a big factor of our market. We have to also balance that with the other fundamental factors that affect the marketplace. You can read more on cattle markets and all of Shaylee's latest reporting at DTNPF.com or in the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Shaylee Stewart. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Weather Station. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit DTN.com.